This is Dr. Rob Harder with the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, making your world better. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? What are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest obstacles? How should nonprofits fundraise in an economy that is constantly changing? All of these reasons combined led me to start this show. And it's my hope that through this series, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear from effective leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy the show as together we hear how they are making their world better. Issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion are collectively on the hearts and minds of every nonprofit leader today. After the events of last year, we are having conversations about these topics like never before. My guest today has a lot to teach us in this regard because she took the helm of an organization that for the last 25 years has made equity and inclusion the very focus of their mission efforts. So this is nothing new for them. My guest is Lisa Ratliff. She's the new CEO of Kaboom, which is a national nonprofit whose mission it is to work to end play-space inequity for good. Enjoy today's show. Well, Lisa, I really appreciate you taking time to be on the show today. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. You bet. Well, congratulations for being selected to take the helmet Kaboom. Uh, talk about what Kaboom is all about for my listeners and what are you most excited about serving in this role? Of course. So Kaboom is a national nonprofit. We're 25 years old this year. And what we do is we focus on great play spaces for kids. So we bring kids and communities together to design, imagine, dream about what their space should look like. And then we bring them together along with volunteers and community members to build it. And we do that to achieve what we call play-space equity. And we do that because in our country, there is quite a bit of inequity when it comes to access to quality spaces to play. And it is primarily in communities of color that in schools and in parks and in neighborhoods, they don't have equitable access to great places for kids to just go out and play on the playground to jump, to learn, to take risks. And so we work to make sure that amazing play spaces are true for everyone. And we work in a way that brings communities together and to the table to help think about and design what their space should look like, and then to build it along with us. It's really important work to me. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, I love the fact you're so passionate about it. In fact, I understand throughout your career, it seems that you've always been a champion for kids and their resilience, which I love. And you've done a lot throughout your career in leading efforts to connect partners, make change for communities and kids really across the country and across the world. You've done that through Habitat for Humanity International or Save the Children, among other things you've done and other organizations you've worked with. So why is this focus being a champion for kids so captured your heart that you've dedicated your life to it? Well, for me, and I'm sure for anyone who thinks back to their childhood on what it meant to their adulthood, my childhood was everything for me. I was surrounded by a community of people that really cared about me. I often talk about my first memory being on the playground where so much of what I am today was built in that space. So 
on the playground, I learned to take risks. I learned to build friendships and take turns. And I also recognized that I had a beautiful community of caregivers around me that really protected me from, for, from some hard circumstances. And so for me, you know, caring for the most vulnerable, and in my eyes, it's kids who really look up to us as adults to make sure they have everything that they need, all the ingredients they need to thrive. There, there could be no more important work because we say it all the time, kids are our future, but they literally are our future. And what we pour into them is what we're going to see come out of tomorrow. I love that. Well, now back to Kaboom. I understand that this is the 25th anniversary of working alongside communities to build these incredible play spaces that really give every kid the chance to thrive physically, socially, and emotionally. And you talked about equity, and that's a big value, which we're going to get to in just a bit. But as Kaboom has grown, and it's been impressive to see the growth as I've done a little bit of more research on your organization, you found a lot of a success. What has been your secret sauce? Like, how have you grown this organization over the years so successfully? I know you're new, but as you look at the organization, what has led to its pretty steady growth over the last several years? Yeah, I'd say a, a couple of things. I mean, one, we, we focus on kids, which, you know, no, no matter what experience you're walking through in life, you know, we have a common denominator in our kids and the vulnerability of our kids. And that's a really special thing to focus our efforts on, but also partnerships. So our organization for the past 25 years has built been built on this whole idea of bringing partners and resources together to do what they can't do alone or individually. And I think that is a huge part of our secret sauce. We've got dedicated staff, we've got um, teams of people and partners that are committed and do wonderful work. But I think there's this common thread through the past 25 years that's been around the acknowledgement that our kids are worth investing in and we can do that in a universal way. And that when we unify our resources and bringing them together, then we can do things that we couldn't possibly do alone. So for us, that's a bit of our secret sauce and has been consistent throughout our history. Now, thanks for sharing that. I think for my listeners, it's, you know, uh, we have a lot of nonprofit leaders that listen to this show. And I think it's always interesting to find out, you know, how people like yourself and organizations that have been successful, how they've done it. And it sounds like you've really stuck to your principles. You stuck to your mission about really reaching kids and, and focusing on them. And then the other thing I mentioned earlier was diversity, equity, and inclusion, which of course are issues that we're all now talking about, uh, partly because of last year, right? The, this explosion and conversations about all those issues. What are we doing, you know, as a nonprofit sector to, you know, engage in that world? Well, this has been something that Kaboom has been doing from day one, it sounds like. They're part of your core values. In fact, your mission statement actually says this. Kaboom is the national nonprofit that works to end play-space inequity for good. And I like that. Let me just say it one more time for my listeners. Kaboom is the national nonprofit that works to end play-space inequity for good. So how do you incorporate these values in your decision-making and everyday work of the nonprofit? I'm thinking for those who are listening and they're trying to incorporate more diversity and inclusion in, in their decisions and their policies even, how have you gone about doing that? Not just at Kaboom, but you know, in other um, opportunities that you've had, because I know this is part of your core values as well. Yeah, well, it helps that we, you know, our existence, existence is built around addressing place-based inequity. 
But, you know, us, like everybody else, you know, it's it's constant work. We've worked with some consultants in the past who have con- who have continuously reminded us that this is lifelong and yet urgent work. And so even though our founding came from inequities that exist in community outside of D.C. and all the work that we've done along the way has really centered equitable access, we've also recognized that we have to constantly look internally to see what are we doing to create barriers that we might unintentionally create around making sure that there's equitable access. And for us, it's having a commitment to using data to inform where we work. And so this is a big shift that we've made in recent years and are really building ourselves up to be able to do where if data doesn't lie. So if you look at our schools, our parks, our communities, and you start disaggregating data based on economic factors, racial factors, where are their quality play spaces, where there are not quality play spaces, and then you use that data to inform where you work, then you're making a true commitment to focusing on where the need is greatest. And data tells us time and time again that where the need is greatest because of historical racialized disinvestment, it is in Black, Brown, Indigenous communities. And so a commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion in our work externally means that we focus on data, data to inform where we work and data to hold us accountable for the outcomes that happen because of our work. There's also, I'll just say this quickly, there's also the work that we have to do internally, and it's a big part of our current commitment and our future commitments to staff around making sure that it is an equitable place for people to feel good at, where there's diversity in decision-making at the leadership level, at the board level. That's all work that we've had to recognize and make commitments to addressing at all levels. So it sounds like you have really sought to use data as a key point to make good decisions. And that's helped inform you, whether it be, again, policies or everyday decision making. It's all based on the data that you've gathered. Yeah, absolutely. And then I'd say on top of that, our boomers, that's what we call ourselves is boomers. But our boomers um, have built and created what our values and our norms are. And so partnership, humility, equity, play, accountability, those are all things that our teams have told us we need to value in our decision making. And so at our best, we are using those as guides to inform everything. So we've got the data, yes, but there's also the values that we want to make sure that we're making decisions around that show up in our policies, that show up in our practices. And I'm not claiming that everything's perfect, but at our best, we're using the data to ensure that we are helping to solve the issues that exist within our systems. And we are relying on our values to ensure that we are doing that in a way that is honest and true to how, we'll, how we want to show up in the world. We'll be right back. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for listening to the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast. If this is your first time listening to us, I want to make sure you're aware of a whole group of other episodes with fascinating guests that I previously interviewed. Just go to our website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. There you'll find numerous interviews of nonprofit leaders from all over the country and even from different countries, all trying to make their world better. I also want to encourage you to like, 
subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This will help us get this great content out to more nonprofit leaders just like you. Now, finally, if you want to get my monthly email update that contains more resources in addition to these episodes, it's really easy. Just go to my website at nonprofitleadershippodcast.org and simply type your email address in the top right-hand box, and you'll be added to our monthly email update. And this way, you'll never miss any of the interviews or extra content from this show. And if you have any questions or comments, do not hesitate to email me. Thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. We already mentioned that Kaboom has had this focus on diversity and inclusion for a long time. It sounds like from the very beginning. Having said that, the events of this last year, have they impacted you uniquely or has it even changed or sped up maybe some of the decisions you've made or the changes you've made? So much <laughs> in so many ways. This past year has been just a challenge. I mean, it's been on a personal level, like like many people across the country just have navigated so much loss of loved ones and watching kiddos have to adapt to a different way of living and growing. And we've had to navigate through that and to navigate through kids not um, having space that they can go to outside and play. And for us, you know, historically, most of our work has been built with volunteers. So volunteers not being able to come out and build playgrounds with us. But the silver lining of it is for the past couple of years, we've been talking a lot and wrestling around, you know, how do we look at forming better partnerships across the sector? How do we move toward not necessarily centering Kaboom's mission, but centering community and kids in a more holistic way with our peers? How do we partner with other nonprofits to take our strengths to complement their weaknesses and their strengths to complement our weaknesses and really begin to collaborate in new ways that hold us accountable to community and advancement at an accelerated pace for kids and communities? And so I think COVID has really thrusted us into thinking about our work in a different way, certainly lifting up the data piece where we had been working at the project level. Now we're looking at how can we partner with city systems? How can we partner with the parks department, with schools, and really assess what the problem is at the scale it exists within their system. So we did that with Baltimore this past year where we evaluated the, all the schools in Baltimore City Public Schools. We just released a report around it and we looked at 54 schools and found that 31 of them, which represented 39 play spaces, did not have the quality spaces they need. And that became our roadmap and has become our roadmap for the work that we're going to do in partnership with them. It's a little bit of a shift from how we had been working in the past, though we had been talking about it from the, for years. We really had to accelerate forward through COVID to look at better partnerships with municipal partners and peers and to really start to use our resources and skills to unpack that data to tell us where the work would, needs to get done. And the beautiful thing is, <laughs> the beautiful thing about it is the work that we do is a solvable problem. So the 54 schools, the 31 that I mentioned where we're, we're hoping to do at least 39 projects, those schools represent more than 12,000 of the kids without safe high quality play spaces, which is more than all schools combined. All those kids are more than all schools combined. And we can solve the problem with $5.7 million. 
So, which is not a lot, right? Like that's not a lot of to be able to say that we can achieve place-based equity with $5.7 million across the entire Baltimore city public school system. And so long answer to say that COVID really allowed us to really tap into our resources to focus on building external partnerships with peers, municipal systems, even really looking at how we could influence federal government and decisions being made at the federal government level to address needs of kids and infrastructure and community and how we shift our work to give us a roadmap to being able to achieve place-based equity as a model within a system, which is a big accelerator for us forward and allows us to move from project level work to really looking system-wide and program level work. A very good example. And that's really encouraging, actually, to know that, like you said, this is something that's doable. It's within your reach. All right. Well, back a little bit to how you incorporate values into your everyday decision making, as well as your policies. You know, I've had guests on the show talk about policy before, and most people, most nonprofit leaders don't get excited about policy, right? No one's really like, oh, I love policy. I can't wait to dive into my HR policy. And yet, policy can be so important when it comes to shaping the organization. In fact, when you you know have a misalignment, say of values and policy, that's often a big sign that something's off and it could be the mission, it could be the implementation of your vision or whatever. So we've had uh, several guests on the show talk about that. So for you, maybe you could uh, talk a bit about maybe an example of when you needed to adjust your policies in order to better align with your values. Do you have an example of that? Yeah. I'll give you one. I could give you many because I'm one of those people that is just leans into the, the policy piece. And, you know, ours goes back to the example I'm going to give goes back to a couple of years ago where, you know, we wanted to really lean into the diversity, equity and inclusion work. And we relied on some out outsource, outside resources to help assess us. You know, what are we not seeing? Where are our blind spots? What are the policies that we have put in place that are creating barriers for us doing work where the need is greatest? And um, one of the values that we have is around equity. And with us, you know, under our values, we've got norms. So these norms that we live by. And so for equity, it's uh, center and amplify community voices, move at the speed of trust and address racial inequities. And having that as a value that we aspire to model at the greatest level was in misalignment with some of our policies. So we're doing this great work. We've built or improved more than 17,000 play spaces in the 25 years but we were unintentionally creating barriers around bringing every voice to the table. And so, because we were moving fast and we were moving in a way that required, Hey, we're going to have one design day with the community and whoever shows up to say what they want in their space, that's whose voice is heard. Well, that's not living our value, even though it was our policy and our approach to do it that way, when we're talking about making sure that we center and amplify community voices, if we're not doing everything we can to remove barriers and allow as many voices as possible, it's not truly a community-designed approach. So we went through a year-long process of wanting to make sure that we're living that value of equity and looked at our community engagement model and our policies around that. And we've changed them. We've changed them so that we have multiple touch points with the community. We've changed them so that we're not on these crazy 
tight timelines for them to get everything done right now. We are working more closely aligned with their timelines. And that is a big shift for us because anyone who's ever worked with us or built a Kaboom playground or funded a Kaboom Kaboom playground knows we're a machine. Right? Like You dream of a playground, community dreams of a playground six months later, ta-da, the community and all these hands came together to build it. And it became necessary for us in order to truly live that value to step back and say, well, let's make our machine work at a pace and way that really centers community and equity. And same with the other examples that I gave around data. And so that's a pretty intense experience of how we have adjusted a very significant part of our business to align with our values. That's a great example. And I thank you for giving us a little granular uh, approach to what you're doing, because again, my listeners are always looking for like practical help. Actually, how do you do this in a day in and day out environment? Uh, we try to make this podcast really practical in that way. And maybe uh, another related topic uh, that really speaks to your values at Kaboom is this value of collaboration. It became very clear from a little bit I read about you, as well as I looked at the website and all that you do it is critical for Kaboom to collaborate with schools, with government leaders, neighborhood leaders, and other you know people, of course, donors as well. So talk about collaboration a bit. I think that's such an important value that all nonprofits should have, and I think Kaboom's been very successful at that. What are you know? How do you go about building these collaborative efforts? First of all, and what are some of the most important leadership principles that you've learned along the way as you've built those collaborations? Yeah. So this, this is another very personal thing to me is I know that we are better together and collaboration is going to move us further faster than ever trying to do something alone. Right. And so the idea of collaboration is something that we are trying to model And so I have in my first couple of months as CEO, my priority number one was to extend an olive branch to my peers, to organizations that may have historically felt that we were competitors, whatever that means, right? (laughs) Or doing work that was in competition versus complementary. And yet we're working in the same communities. We are serving the same people. And so I've worked really hard to extend an olive branch to peers to say, how can we collaborate? How can we share? How you know, do we have any data or information that would benefit you and your cause? Because if we start to function like that, then community and kids benefit, right? And we benefit as well. You know, we we build these beautiful partnerships that are much deeper and much larger. And so I think the idea of modeling collaboration and being okay with transparency and sharing and not hoarding resources is something that's necessary and something we certainly intend on continuing to model to get more aligned with our peers. I mean, to figure out how many play spaces you need in Baltimore, for example, I'm sure behind the scenes, there was a ton of collaboration that uh, really took to get that, as well as data collection and all the other things you mentioned. Well, I think my listeners are going to want to find out a little bit more about you as well as Kaboom. So where could they find out more about you and maybe even connect with you if you were open to that? Oh, absolutely. Always. Always. There's so many places to go now. Everybody's at each other's fingertips. Our website, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So is Kaboom. I'm very proud of the work. So I'm constantly sharing. People can reach out to me on LinkedIn. That's probably the easiest, quickest way to get me. 
And then if people want additional resources, just to this whole spirit of transparency and sharing, we have published on our site journey paper that talks about our racial equity journey up to about a year and a half ago. But it's very, you know, we laid it out there, what we are addressing, what we are committed to, and the scrapes and bruises that we've gotten along the way. So that's on our website as well. But they can certainly go to kaboom.org, to LinkedIn. I'm not as active as on Twitter, but Kaboom is. But any of our social channels, sign up for a mailing list. There's, we'd love for you to stay in touch with us. Well, that's excellent. Lisa, thanks again for sharing your insights with us today. Again, congratulations on the new role. And I encourage my listeners, check out Kaboom and all that you're doing, because it really is impressive, particularly nowadays. I think we're so much more focused on the issues of diversity and inclusion. Kaboom has been doing this for 25 years. And so I think they've got a really good track record of how to do this for the rest of us. So again, Lisa, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Hey, friends, I wanted you to know that this podcast can be found on both iTunes and Spotify. If you're wondering how to find it, just type in the words Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, and this podcast should show up. We also encourage you, when you go on iTunes, let us know what you think. Give us a review. Give us a rating. We would love to hear what you think of this podcast, and your feedback will help expand this podcast to get it out to as many people as possible. You can also find other resources and interviews of past guests on my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Again, that website is non nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep making your world better.